This episode is brought to you by Feel Free from BotanicTonics.com. Feel Free is a small two-ounce shot made from kava and other ancient plants, and the feeling that it provides is incredible. It is euphoric. It gives you this sense of focus. It reduces anxiety, and it just puts you in a relaxed state in your body. Think of it as a plant-based magical elixir that can uplift your mood, increase your productivity, and give you the energy to do the things you want to do today. There are so many applications for when you can use Feel Free. A few examples are using Feel Free to get into a flow state before yoga, meditation, or exercise. People are using this as a kind of energy drink to go running for miles at a time. And it's also great for socializing. It just makes it easier to connect to people around you. There isn't this kind of background hum of anxiety anymore. It just really melts away. And that also makes it a great replacement for alcohol. So if you're ready to feel free, go to botanictonics.com and use promo code ZIAN40 for 40% off. Again, that's botanictonics.com, promo code ZIAN40, X-I-A-N 40, at botanictonics.com. This episode is also brought to you by Sheath, the underwear of legends. What makes Sheath different is the pouch on the inside. Now this is a game-changing invention that completely revolutionizes the male undergarment. These are the most comfortable underwear I have ever worn by far. They've got amazing designs and styles, super comfortable fabrics. My favorite is the bamboo and also the V, which is a long leg athletic underwear that doesn't ride up and it supports you where it matters most. So go check out Sheath at sheathunderwear.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 20%. Once again, that's sheathunderwear.com, promo code TIMEWHEEL.
All right, we are rolling, and I am here with my brother, business partner, best friend, you know, all, all of the above, Robert Patton. How you doing, man? I am doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad we didn't do this yesterday because I was just feeling pretty worn out. I've been busy, just grinding on the daily, nonstop, no breaks, and I took yesterday at least yesterday evening, took it off, relaxed, got to sleep in this morning, mm-hmm. and feeling much better, much uh, needed rest. Yeah, that's a big part of the entrepreneurial lifestyle is this kind of like, you know, we can almost call it an addiction to work. Um, but it is, in most cases, a healthy addiction. I mean, there's worse things we could be addicted to, right? But then, than being productive. But <laughs> I'm addicted to making money, right? So, yeah, for those people out there that don't know, you're the founder of Sheath, which creates the best underwear on the planet. You're a sponsor of the show. Definitely appreciate that. Uh, use promo code TimeWheel to save twenty percent at SheathUnderwear.com. But yes, it's been very much a a. Uh, a passionate um, venture for you for about the last 10 years. Um, I want to get into all of that um, and, and as well hop into these meditation ideas that we talked about, you know, exploring. Um, But if we could maybe do like a five minute kind of shorter version of the story of sheath, you know, like what would you say? How did this all begin? It all started in the desert of Iraq on my second tour with the army uh, it was 2008. It was hotter than the devil's private parts. And I was feeling uncomfortable. And so, and I, I had this vision concept of an underwear that had a pouch on the inside that would separate the man parts and keep them off your leg, keep you cool and dry. And lo and behold, It's now been 15 years since the concept was originated, but 10 years since we really took off as a company and Mm -hmm. just had unbounded success, growth year over year, doubling annually, which is relative. It's like some Facebook level growth. Just kidding. (laughs) They like have billions of people, but. Thanks to you, you know, and your partnership, your creativity, help with the name, that name, really. Everyone knows what a sheath is for a sword. Totally. Put your sword in it. And, um, you know, essentially, just like I said, the concept is pouch underwear. We are no longer the sole sellers of this type of product Mm -hmm. there's a lot of copycats out there don't be fooled go to the original (laughs) sheath underwear but um you know it it is a passion it's all day every day and over a decade at this point of putting forth effort into this project but Mm -hmm. the i mean and we can segue into the meditation when you want to but it has been a lifesaver when it comes to being able to channel my energy properly in the right direction and re i would recharge Mm -hmm. like uh you would need to be to run a successful multi-million dollar worldwide global brand (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i i I remember that this 
sheath wasn't the first idea you had to want to invent. Um, we don't really have to get into what the ideas were in case we want to do them again someday. But I did just want to say, when was the first time you got an inkling? I want to, I want to invent something. I want to create something no one else has created. How young were you? Or, or do you remember the earlier times when you were like, want, like wanting to bring something into existence, you know, like something new? Um, <clears throat> I mean, my mind splits off into a couple of different fraction, fractals, fractions, because I remember going to my fifth grade, um, career day and just wanting, I uh, knowing that I wanted to be the, the boss. I, I dressed up with the suit and tie. I wanted to be the president of a company. Mm -hmm. So that was like an original thought of wanting to run something not necessarily invent something but was there someone a, in your life though that that was a boss and you were like i like them or or did you see it in question. a movie you know maybe read a book I what mean, inspired at that, that? at that point i don't know it must have just been something within me that knew or wanted to be different and not just you know, you're sitting in a classroom with mm -hmm. 25 other students and you're all kind of blending together. Nobody's the boss. But I felt this natural tendency towards leadership, mm -hmm. I think, you know, and my group of friends. I was a follower, but I was also a leader. So it was more about leadership, I guess, at the time. Mm -hmm. But as I grew up, you know, I, I had definitely had a creative mind, and but a passion for being um, entrepreneurial. You know, yeah. I mean, this this I guess this is the podcast to talk about it on. Mm -hmm. But when I was one of the first times I smoked weed, I was like, "Ooh, I could buy this in bulk and sell it." Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's horrible. How, how old was that? 17. Okay. Not too bad. That's not 12. I've heard right. stories about people doing that at 12. Yeah. No, I was a little bit of a late bloomer. I put a lot of my effort into becoming a professional basketball player mm -hmm. before those years, and that did not pan out. But what did develop was a strong work ethic that I could apply to my future jobs, yeah. you know, and endeavors. I remember a lot of people just like skateboarders and also like basketball players, like there was this like honing of the, of the skill almost on a daily basis. It was just, it was fun to get out there and go shoot. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and addiction. And, yeah. Like that saying. it's that same kind of concept as when we have that, you know, drive to want to build a company or, or go further than we have in business before. It's almost the same kind of drive that the basketball player has as he goes to shoot the hoops and, He's thinking about the game, and he's thinking about the game-winning shot. And yes. for skateboarders, they're 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 thinking about the ten stair they're going to eventually do if they can just keep getting this three, four, five stair down. You know, like that was me, for example. Like I remember, I could easily get the three stair a lot quicker than my friends. Um, I was like, oh, dope! Like I'm good at this. And then I would try four, and then we could do it. And then five, I could do it. Six, I could do it. Seven, I never got. And at that point, at seven stairs is where you start to actually get hurt if you fail at the stair jump. Yeah. And I would see some of my friends getting hurt trying to do it. I was like, nah, nah, I'm good on six. Like, that'll be my capstone for my skating journey. But 
It's interesting though. I'm wondering for you, what was it that you thought being a businessman could bring you? Like what was the result that you were looking for? Or maybe being entrepreneurial, even in the sense of weed, it's like, of course we have to survive, <clears throat> but was there something in particular that you wanted? I know, I know that, you know, for me, it was cars, these little Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> I wanted these trophies, these cars, these things that they were just the coolest thing ever. I don't know why, you know, I guess my dad was into vehicles and cars and all that. And it's kind of running my blood. But uh, when I would see some of these Japanese cars, I was just like, dude, like, what do I got to do to get that? Okay. Got to make money. Okay. Got to be productive. Okay. Got to, you know, so for you, <laughs> what, what, what was it? Uh, it's, the only thing that's coming to my mind is love and acceptance. No, you know, good. wanting to, right? It's like this weird thing. In order to be loved and accepted, you had to be successful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. No, a lot is of it, people have that. Yeah. I've heard about that. And um, it's, you know, ultimately a good thing in the end, but it is a little bit of a mind trick that we almost feel undeserving of love unless we were successful. You know, yeah, it is a brainwashing of society, media, movies, which you know, I grew up in a time where there were no cell phones and we got all of our information from movies. I remember this movie, Can't Buy Me Love, and that was such a pivotal movie in my like um growth. And damn, there's <sighs> coming of age i was i was a young teenager and i'm watching it and the dude patrick dempsey he was like this dork in high school nobody wanted to talk to him but he was mowing lawns and he would he like collected this grip of cash and the pretty girl in high school actually went out she wore her mom's leather dress ruined it at a party she had to go buy this new dress mm -hmm. that she couldn't afford and he here he swoops in with the money to save the day and buy her the dress but in order for her uh, in order for him to buy the dress for her she had to agree to date him mm -hmm. just for the appearance mm -hmm. that you know they would be dating and he knew what that would bring socially him dating the pretty girl in the high school right and um and it did you know he starts dating her then all these other girls start wanting him mm -hmm. and ultimately of course as any hollywood movie they fall in love and have lived <laughs> happily ever after <laughs> and it ends when they're like 19 or 17 or whatever which is super unrealistic to think mm -hmm. that they you know, but stay together off, forever after that. Exactly. Right. But they ride off into the sunset on his lawnmower. Ah. After he lost all the money, she still loved him. And mm -hmm. but it got him in the game, so to speak, of of being in a relationship, which is what we all, I guess, ultimately totally. want. Yeah, I've talked about that a, a bit as well, about part of being in a band was I was trying to attract my soulmate. Nice. I wanted to be in front of people showing my expression, showing my skills, you know, so that I could attract a female soulmate, someone that I, you know, felt like I loved and would love me for who I am and all that. It was like a mating call. I was thinking of it. Totally. As, I mean, like singing in a rock band is the ultimate mating call right. in nature. Right. You know. Totally. No, very much so. Um, 
it's interesting how we are, you know, we're looking and we're seeking for that approval, that love bond through these passionate things sometimes. Yeah, and maybe it stems from my parents getting divorced when I was five and me not feeling the love from my father who left. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, we reconnected and uh, I lived with him. But, you know, even mom, it's like she's working all the time. Maybe mm-hmm. I wasn't getting the fulfillment I needed or thought whatever I should have at home. Um, we were both kind of were solo in a weird way just because she worked so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think great. that worked to our benefit. Yeah, she was a great provider. And, totally. And she wasn't like gone. She was there. She was supportive, but she was a little bit like, fend for yourself a bit, start to learn what mm-hmm. it means to be an adult early. Because some people got kind of cradled till they're 20 or maybe beyond. Whereas like when I was 16, it was like, you want something? Go get a job, you know? (laughs) That's funny. Um, But yeah, it's whatever it was, I think it's natural within me. I I just had this other really good idea. I was talking to my barber Mm -hmm. as I was getting my haircut the other day. And he was talking about how... He, he traded a golf club that he didn't use. It's funny. This is weird. But some guy brought him weed. Like, as I was getting my haircut, a guy <laughs> brought him weed and then took a putter <laughs> out the door. And he That's was funny. telling me how they barter. He's like, I love bartering. Mm-hmm. And I said, in my mind, I don't know if this even exists, but I was like, it'd be cool if there was a website where you could put your stuff up that you don't necessarily want anymore, put a price tag on it, you know, um, it might just for simplicity be shoes when you mm-hmm. price them all at $10 a pair or whatever. And then this other guy has a couch and he puts it at $50. Mm-hmm. And you basically trade your shoes for the couch through this website. and But no cash is, is, is mm-hmm. uh, exchanged. That's hilarious. And then, you, so we're just bartering, you know. Yeah, it's a lesson you... in value. It's funny how we start to think things cost a price, but it honestly, things cost what people are wor- uh, willing to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. It's that's the free market enterprise. It's if when you exchange money for goods, you, what you're saying is, I value your goods more than I value this ten dollars. I, right. I want that shirt Mm -hmm. and you have so many shirts that you want my ten dollars more than you want that thousandth shirt exactly (laughs) and so we're agreeing to make this deal and it is uh both mutually um beneficial totally i love that yeah i love that to go back a little to to that younger version of you that that new boss leader business um, I, I've been exploring this concept about how the future has been written. You're going to be a thing, and you know from the beginning you're going to be it. We can't really put our finger on it. We don't know what to call it, but it's beckoning us forth, and we're heading in its direction. You could almost call it destiny in a sense. And I'm not trying to say that it, <clears throat> there's no free will or that like you can't change the path to where you're going to get. But essentially, we have this calling, this ultimate manifestation that we're meant to be, that we know even from a young age. 
Um, similarly to you, I, I got this time capsule thing from, uh, I think, middle school. They sent it to me like 15, 10 years later after I drew whatever and put whatever in it, you know? And I, on it, it said director. Wow. And I was like in middle school, you know? Nice. So it's like I knew I would be where I'm at now back then. And that's so weird. It's almost like you could think of it as like, well, because you wanted it, then you worked towards it. And that's why. But where are these intuitions coming from? Because we've seen the future as a human race for thousands of years. We And it's, it varies in how far into the future from like a Nostradamus type stuff to just like, I had a dream. And then the next day, something from the dream happened. Um, what do you think about all that? Do you think we're getting glimpses into like what we're going to be or what our destiny is even as a kid. And that's what this intuition is like guiding us to where we're going to be. It's almost like you knew you were going to have a multi-million dollar company. Mm -hmm. You knew it and you were like, I just have to do it. You know, like, what do you think? I, it's like, is it the chicken or the egg, which mm -hmm. was first. And <clears throat> this is, Related, <clears throat> but I received a bat in the mail yesterday, and it was a gift from a company that we might be working with soon. Didn't ask for it. And you might be like, what does the bat have to do with anything? Well, I put, I make a vision board every year, and mm -hmm. I, for whatever reason, it's like, I want a bat this year. I don't have a bat. I mm -hmm. want a baseball bat. And I put my, I put a bat on the vision board, and I've got this fucking bat in mm -hmm. the mail so weird is 100%. it magic like i don't understand reality how it's all connected whether it's intention or destiny or some combination of the two um mm -hmm. is the future already written if it is you know we're just like working our way towards that end mm -hmm. and um, you, like how, what if you like make a wrong choice in, in the, along the way and you get arrested or you become a drug addict or something like, or you get a girl pregnant or like all these things can kind of become a barrier to your future mm -hmm. destiny. Yet somehow you still manage to work your way through or around or over mm -hmm. those barriers to get to that ultimate right. goal. And um, mm -hmm. the life is so strange. And this is like a thousand year old question. Yeah, totally. So, you know, in, in this example, the part of you that knew you would receive the bat in the mail saw the bat in the magazine and was magnetized to want to clip it out because it resonated on some deep soul level. So you put it there and then it happened, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, this, these things can't really be understood logically or rationally, but they're things that people get glimpses of in psychedelic states all the time. Like people will see what they're meant to be on ayahuasca. They'll be like, dude, I saw that in two years, I'm going to be doing retreats and healing people and blah, blah, blah. And then so many times it happens. And they're like, dude, it called it, 
you know? But again, it's kind of chicken or egg. Is it like, because you had that vision, did you go make that happen? But really, could you just make a thing happen? Because it seems like a lot of times things just don't want to happen. It seems like a thing has to want to happen for it to happen. Like I could be like, dude, I want this thing that's completely not in my path at all. Like randomly, like I want to start a software company where I'm going to be bigger than Google, right? It's like, I have that idea now and I want to do it. It's like, that's not in my destiny. So it's not going to happen. But if I'm like, oh, I want to make a creative thing. Since that is in my destiny, like the universe will allow it to happen with very little resistance. That's interesting. What do you think of that? Um, it's like the universe wants it to happen. Mm-hmm. So you're a conduit of what the universe wants and you just play your role. And, I, you know, how how... Like, I want to be successful, and I wanted to be the boss, and I am, but there's levels to this, and am I supposed to be a Bill Gates-level success, or, you know, just kind of like a middle-of-the-road-level success, tire store Mm -hmm. owner-level, you know, you provide for your family, you're making probably a couple million bucks, but you're not taking over the industry, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and... Is, does it matter how much work I put into it or it, is it going to just kind of happen for me? Mm-hmm. And wait, there's a lot of luck involved. Well, like luck with, is almost that universal pull towards the happening. Yeah. It's like it does want it to happen. So here's that quote unquote luck that everyone mm-hmm. says. Joe Rogan's always, oh, I'm big because I'm lucky. You know, it's like everyone always says my big break was because I got lucky. Jim Carrey, my big break. I just got lucky. It's like. You know, we can look at luck as a coincidence, like, oh, it's just great hand of cards. But it's also like um, that luck might have been the doorway through which your dharma or your purpose was opening for you to walk through. You know, it was like, here it is. Do you want to walk through the door? You can say no to luck. You can be afraid. Yep. Or you could say, yes, this feels like an opportunity. Yeah, because you could just sit there and not take that blind leap of faith. You can just deny your destiny. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you keep moving, stay active, follow your intuition, the internal inspiration guided from wherever it comes from, whether it's within or without or both, I think I live a life where I believe, you know, I have this sense of faith that I am on the right path. And so I'm just going to keep moving in this direction that I'm being pulled towards because Mm -hmm. it is a pulling of sorts because I'm inspired to do these things. And, you know, I, and, and, um, and so the universe and, and my world is unfolding as as I see it, you know, in my vision. But mm-hmm. also everything doesn't necessarily come to fruition as you might want. Like I wanted to be in the NBA and something was pulling me in that direction and it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I quote unquote failed. I You mentioned having a previous invention that 
you know, might have shown a pattern in my life that, uh-huh. you know, you like to invent stuff. Because I invented these keys that were essentially jewelry. Uh-huh. Since you carry keys around in your pocket all day, every day, you would have a fancy key. And I try, I had the idea. I kind of tried to put it into production to sell it on the mass market, but I ran into some roadblocks at the time and gave up on mm-hmm. quote unquote another failure. But through those failures, I learned that, you know, especially with the key idea, if I just hadn't quit, I wouldn't have failed. I gave mm-hmm. up, you know, whether or not I've, I did kind of quit basketball, but I also was forced to quit through injuries and both failures provided knowledge and experience and yeah um yeah basically the knowledge well both because experience in basketball of developing a strong work ethic knowledge in the key idea to never give up and so that was one of my main focuses with sheath was Mm -hmm. you know i'm tattooing this shit on my back i'm not quitting once you quit it's over if you build it they will come i just knew i had to build it and not quit and it would be Mm -hmm. successful i was very certain i mean totally and that's it that's what i'm saying is that certain where you just almost know there's a knowing an inner knowing that's where we're linked to our dharma that's where we're linked to our soul's mission or our ultimate manifestation or that future self pulling us into what we're capable of. People can look at it very baseline, but there's also another higher level to look at it. Like things are connected. It's funny, a minute ago you said uh, um, about the keys, the jewelry being in your pocket. And it just made me think the key is in your pocket <laughs> <laughs> and the pocket for the underwear. Uh, the key is in the, the pocket, and oh that is what God. you know what I mean. It's just the funny. The key is in the pocket. It is, <laughs> it is, and and that's what took it took us there. It's almost like it was showing you the key is in, in your pocket. pocket. <laughs> Later on, it was going to manifest. You know, wow, um, that's a good slogan too. Kind I love of, that. The key is in the pocket. <laughs> there you go. Um, and also, I was going to say you talked about faith. And I think some people can misinterpret faith as if you're putting some type of over amount of trust in the universe or God or some higher being that you're hoping blesses you. I don't think faith needs to be looked at that. It's faith in yourself. It's faith that you know. You know what I mean? It's like, yes, the universe will help you, but you have to know first. It all starts in the mind. Um, if you have faith in your mind and what you want, and it's like, I know I want this for a reason, I'm, I'm going to listen to it. That's the type of faith I think people need more. Because so many people will have a thought and say, I want to be a painter, but they won't have the faith they can do it. They're, they'll be like, but I really couldn't do that, you know, because like I don't have the paintbrushes and I don't have that. But if you have the faith, you say, I want to be a painter. All I have to do is get the paintbrushes. All I have to do, you know, it's like this positive, uh, I'm going to do it, here's how, instead of, I can't do it, here's why. You know what I mean? 
Absolutely. It's the faith that you're making the right decision to move forward in this gut feeling, you know, and, but like a lot of our feelings are based on biological urges, which is very strange. That's where I'm, I, my mind sort of went in one direction as you were talking about faith and, and, you know, we have the, these feelings mm-hmm. within us that we want stuff or want to do things. And so you have to be able to differentiate between wanting some kind of biological urge mm-hmm. and wanting to fulfill your destiny and, 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 or, and whether or not those two things are related. Yeah. But I think a lot of people get like trapped or side sideline side swiped right. from these biological urges and they just kind of uh let those rule their right. decision making mm-hmm. you know i think it's because they don't understand the mind or even the brain so there's like a level of inform we have to inform ourselves on what's going on with being a human if we just believe that everything we feel is what we're supposed to do that's gonna misguide us that's gonna make you smoke a pack of cigarettes a day that's gonna make you try bad drugs that's gonna make you uh have affairs and all this and that it's like well my body wanted it you know it's like well yo uh first of all realize what's going on in your mind uh realize what thoughts are uh they're just suggestions auditioning it doesn't mean it has to happen it's just like oh here's a possibility you don't have to go down that rabbit hole, but also our brain and the idea of like dopamine and serotonin and all this shit with like social media. It's like how we get addicted to it is the dopamine hits. If we understand, Oh, I'm just like going down the dopamine rabbit hole. I can turn that off. I can do something else that's dopaminergic or whatever the term is like going on a run, boost your dopamine too. You know, like Mm -hmm. I would rather get some dopamine doing that. Um, so we have to like inform ourselves about what we are so that we can drive this car, our meat suit more effectively. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, we're, we're going to be needing rest. We're going to be needing fuel. We're going to be needing all kinds of things to keep the body, the body in balance. But, uh, if we don't even understand those kind of key things you know that they teach us in school a lot of us aren't really that interested in a lot of that because uh, as kids we're more interested in a lot of other stuff but i do think they teach it teach us exercise for a reason you know what i mean they try to ingrain it as a part of your daily life with pe class or gym class mm-hmm. or recess or whatever like um yeah we just have to realize like that we can easily get fooled uh by the brain and its desires um, and not to give in to every single one of those, but also don't deprive yourself. Like I, I heard someone say something cool that, that they were like, yo, if you love ice cream, don't deny yourself ice cream. Just do it wisely. Just once a week, once a month. Don't get rid of it out of your system entirely if it's something you truly love. But if it's something you're just doing because you're bored, you're not enjoying it anyway. You're just mindlessly gobbling the ice cream. Like, if you're going to like the ice cream, really enjoy it. Make it sacred. You know what I mean? Like, yes, that's like a bodily sugar thing. It's like, yeah, I want that ice cream. But it's like, if you do it wisely, you'll enjoy it even more. You know what I mean? 
<clears throat> yeah, I was watching this show last night called Naked and Afraid. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. And like, there's another one similar called Alone. And they are deprived of food mm-hmm. for certain periods of time to the point where they're, you know, losing tens and tens of pounds, they're malnutritioned, etc. But the delight and the description of when they're finally getting, you know, some sustenance, like a fish or a bug, sometimes <laughs> they're like, I feel the nutrition coursing right. through my blood. I feel my body revitalizing. And I know I, I've fasted in the past. And when I finally ate, it is, there is this, um, you know, just feeling, I guess, of your body being, mm-hmm. uh, getting value from nutrition or <clears throat> nutritional value. I mean, sometimes I'll be like in this mood where I'm like, I don't feel good. I feel a little angry or whatever. Then I'll get some carbs in my system. I'm like, oh, that's gone. Yeah. You know, sometimes we're just hungry. It's just like, <laughs> it's like, why exactly. am I getting pissed off at this project right now? And then I'll go eat and I'm like, ah, let's go, you know? So our body does have its needs, you know, it's trying to tell us through our emotions there. And, and pain is a good thing as well. Even physical pain, because we know something's wrong. You know what I mean? Like if we stepped on something, didn't feel pain, we wouldn't even know. And there's like this thing sticking up in your foot and getting worse as you're walking on it. And it's, you know what I mean? Like it, pain is there for a reason. Uh, yeah. Frustration and anger are there for a reason. It's trying to communicate to you something is off in the environment. Um, something's mm-hmm. off I- even internally in your internal environment. Maybe you need to eat. Maybe you need to rest. Maybe you need to meditate. Maybe you need to run. Maybe you need to sauna. You know, all these things. If we're feeling impatient and shit, it's like, yo, let me like tune my body up and then you'll come out of that pretty quick. But the the thing is, is like, it's a hard thing because it gets to this cycle where people can't motivate themselves to do the thing. So they stay depressed. They stay in those negative states because they can't have an, a positive self-talk moment. But I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably trying to like evolve beyond just these kind of more mundane ways of being. And that's a little bit what this podcast is about is like, how can we become a better version of ourselves through all these tools and all these techniques and all these ways of understanding? That's a pretty good segue into meditation. But Absolutely. I also, you have to listen to your body because if you do, I, if you need rest, you need to rest. I'm the type of person where I get it, like I used to be addicted to basketball. I would not stop playing for whatever reason, even though my body was tired and exhausted because I've been playing 274 days in a row Mm -hmm. in your body. And I was young, so I could do that, but my body needed rest. But I was like, no, I'm going to keep going, keep playing. And to the point of injury, Mm -hmm. you know, that happened with skateboarding, uh, jujitsu, basketball and so sometimes you do need to rest Mm -hmm. but there's a balance obviously and i've been we've been grinding pretty hard with the company for the past 10 years and i have since gotten married i've added other elements into my life that are taking up time and energy i go i'm taking a ceramics class in college i'm doing this speaking class i'm taking jujitsu at night and then try while trying to run this you know global 
brand company. That does sound like what Mark Zuckerberg does, though. I saw an interview with him recently, and he's like, I'm very active. And he's like, people mm-hmm. don't even understand how active I am. Like, I'm fighting daily. I'm surfing. I'm running. I'm good. He's doing, you know, so I think that's good. I think it makes you think clearer yes. in business when you're active, you know, instead of Absolutely. just like overthinking, you cause more problems by overthinking and over dialing things sometimes it's like i've done that a million times with a video edit sometimes i'm like oh my god i just wasted two hours on this like doing something i just undid because i was trying to like take it too far too good i was overthinking it it was fine where it was you know what i mean like that type of thing yeah there's almost um doing too much and not letting the thing you've built breathe and blossom and grow I was talking with someone, and I promise we'll get to the meditation right after this, I guess. Mm-hmm. But he uh, he's trying to start a company, and what and I described to him the growth at which a company grows, the yeah. pace at which a company grows, the speed is like the speed of a tree totally. growing. You know, it takes you plant the seed, you want that bamboo spurt or weed growth where it's just like overnight years through the roof mm-hmm. but in most cases it's going to grow at the pace of a sequoia and mm-hmm. you have to be patient put in the work and make sure you take care of yourself and what i found most recently that has i've described as a magic pill which i think is true you know i is this transcendental meditation right Right. Well, I think that is a great segue, actually, because um, everything we were talking about here is how to become aware of our mind and what it's doing and how to operate it um, successfully as humans. Meditation teaches us how to be at one with the mind and, and not think that it is the true dialogue. Because, you know, like, for example, like we can come up with stories in our head that are kind of negative that aren't even happening it's straight up not even real and we're like feeling it on a level that it's real and it's happening and it's here right in front of me we feel it as if it's happening but when we sit with the mind and realize oh it just dissipates if you just let it go um we learn how to see thoughts as just a stream and not like as reality um so a lot of times people kind of think of meditation as lily pads floating down a river Um, the thoughts are the lily pads. Your mind is the river. You don't have to hop on the lily pad. You can just let it kind of coast by. I think that's like the first level of understanding meditation before we get to the deeper states that I know that we're going to, we're about to go into, but is it's just like being able to sit and observe the mind, allow the thoughts to pass through, um, and they lower in volume, um, the longer you sit. So 10 minutes, I think, is like the minimum you should try to meditate. Um, People do hours a day, you know what (laughs) I mean? And and if you do hours um, and you're disciplined with it and you're actually meditating, because, of course, we can sit there and like pretend we're meditating and we're not. But Mm -hmm. um, if you actually are, you'll come out of the meditation in a very clear state where the thoughts of the mind are not loud at all. And we're just very in the now, very peaceful, very like, oh, what's my next one thing I need to do? <clears throat> Instead of like, oh, there's a hundred ideas in my head, I'm overwhelmed. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, 
So I think that's a good way to uh, introduce meditation. But of course, once you get through that initial stage of just seeing thoughts as just simply thoughts and nothing more, um, not any actual real reality, uh, and in certain cases they are. I'm not trying to say no thoughts aren't real, but and a lot of times, especially negative self-talk, it's not real. Um, but we get into even deeper states where they become almost visionary, almost dreamlike, um, very deep or out of body type experiences. And I know that's something that you've been experimenting with. So just tell us, how did you come to transcendental meditation? How did you hear about it and what's been your journey with it? Oh man, I'm so glad you have given me the opportunity to talk about this because it's been so exciting over the past few months to be actually meditating properly and getting this benefit that they call 200% of life in transcendental meditation, the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. He describes it in a way where you go deep within Mm -hmm. and you recharge. You're like getting this energy from the universe that it feels so good when I'm doing it. A lot of people and me myself included in the past would meditate and like be thinking about my, my back's hurting because I'm sitting <laughs> up straight and, and um, you know, you're trying to do this pose with the mudras and whatever, <clears throat> which is fine because you will slowly work your way towards, you know, your, wherever you're supposed to be. But I was researching meditation and somewhere, I don't know, like the universe gave me this gift and put transcendental meditation in front of me. And this was years ago, like Mm -hmm. a decade ago. I remember um, we were living with mom. I was going through a uh, transitioning phase in my life. and But I was watching this YouTube video on transcendental meditation and he described how to do it in the video it's Mm -hmm. on youtube and i was able to i caught this glimpse of this nirvana this they call it like the sweet nectar of Mm. the universe that you're you're kind of like bathing in this warm honey Mm -hmm. and when you're when you're meditating and then when I came out of it, I had so much energy. I remember you, me, and Steven went on a trip to Austin and where I typically would have had to take a nap. I didn't have to take a nap. I was fully energized for the day, recharged. And especially for those of you that don't get good sleep, which it's actually improved my sleep over the past few months. But I didn't want to – well, I tried to do it again and I didn't quite get where I needed to get, and ultimately ended Were up. Were you on mushrooms up. the first time? No, no it was. A, you know, it, <laughs> I have a feeling that meditating in this way on mushrooms is gonna, and I'm gonna do it because mm-hmm. I haven't taken mushrooms yet this year. When and I've really only been doing it correctly since about January sixth or so of mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so I had got a glimpse. I was learning, I uh, was trying to do it by myself without going to a guru uh-huh. and, or a teacher. And in this case, 
I advise you all go and go to tm.org, find a teacher near you. It's really affordable. Back then it was like 1500 bucks for everyone. Now there's a sliding scale based on how much money you make. It could even be free if you don't make any money at all or whatever the case may be. I paid the maximum amount because I make a couple bucks and I wanted to I wanted to pay because, you know, you get and what you pay back. for. Yeah. yeah, and give back also. And you we appreciate things that we pay for a lot more than we do when we get it for free. Totally. But uh so but I can describe in like kind of oh, like hold on the, a sec. Uh, th- so is it an online thing? It can be to for the most part, but but there is an in-person instruction that needs to take place mm-hmm. and there will typically be a transcendental meditation teacher in your general vicinity Mm -hmm. you know you might have to drive a couple hours see him right for the big city you know yeah like the capital city or something like that in your state maybe probably yeah and there's centers around the united states and all over the world really this is a worldwide organization Mm -hmm. created by maharishi mahesh yogi he trained the beatles Oh, yeah. um, he didn't train Jerry Seinfeld, but Jerry Seinfeld practices it. And if you know how creative and funny he is, you might mm-hmm. think, hmm, that's good. David Lynch, there's a something called the David Lynch Foundation at this point. He created a television show called Twin Peaks, and he's made other movies. He's a kind of a he's an artist. Mm-hmm. And but that's Kind of successful people are using it exactly, and this is surface level information. And you can really only like get the true feeling of it by doing it. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, it's like as if if you've never tasted a donut, you won't know how sweet it is until you Mm -hmm. eat it. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's a technique of meditation. It is a technique. Does, does it involve any kriya or movement in the body, or is it strictly just like this is what you do with your mind? It's a strictly a mental exercise, okay. and it's supposed to be so easy. You're not trying. If you're trying, you're doing it wrong. It's mm-hmm. um, you want to be sitting in a comfortable chair. You can't see my chair, but if if you can kind of just like lean back a little bit, get fully relaxed. No straight back. You can do the straight back if that's relaxing to you, but you want to not be thinking about your body. I'm, I guess the ultimate way to do it, which I haven't done, would be in a sensory deprivation tank. Mm. But if you can imagine the relaxation that you get from a sensory deprivation ch- tank, that's kind of how relaxed you want your body to be when you go in to this meditation. So find a nice chair, get mm-hmm. nice and comfortable, and... You close your eyes, you wait about 30 seconds, and then you start saying the mantra silently in your head. Kind and each of, mantra is assigned per student. Each is that right? mantra is assigned per student. So they kind of get a read on your energy and they're like, okay, well, we're going to give him this one. Yes, and but I don't know. For all I know, they give everybody the same mantra. 
Uh, but they say I mean? don't me- don't mention it though. Yeah, because the problem is if you do mention it, it taints your mantra because now you've told someone, mm. and now when you say the mantra, you start thinking of that person potentially, mm. and what you don't want is any association with the sound you're s- kind of mentally saying right, in your right. mind. I love that. To- I want to mention what I think mantra is. I've I've been using mantra for years as well, different kind of lineage, more in the kundalini slash kriya yoga lineage. However, uh, I'm understanding mantra as, you know how in movies like Lord of the Rings or whatever, you know, you'll find this magic cave that you're supposed to enter, but you need to know the words to enter, like open sesame for an example. It's one of those where it opens that gate to the soul, if we're able to recite the sacred words and actually feel them, actually let them charge you emotionally, spiritually, bringing your heart into it after a handful of recitations of a mantra, you know, like one I've been using recently, Sunia, which takes probably about a minute per round to, to chant. After probably the tenth round, which is ten minutes in, like you're probably you're probably in there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you've you've been allowed into the sacred cave, um, but you can't mindlessly chant the mantra. You really have to feel the mantra, feel it, and it can be mentally recited. Go ahead, dude. I'll I drift off into these dream states. The other day, I was walking. I'm like meditating. I'm sitting down. I'm in my meditation, but in my mind i'm walking and i slipped on ice and i jerked Mm -hmm. like out of i almost pulled a muscle i was so in i was so deep in my i I think it is a tiny little space inside the heart where there's like a pathway and uh, jumbalo malchizedek wrote a book called journey into the sacred heart or something and he talks about this tiny little spot in your heart that you have to find and get into well and what the way you were describing the mantra is like the door or the key to the door to the cave in the heart and it is it's so beautiful and so fulfilling and I love it so much. It's like my favorite thing to do mm-hmm. these days is go. I do my meditation twice a day, sometimes three or four times a day. If I'm feeling extra exerted or overworked or exhausted, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go and get, get a quick recharge. And um, so I sit there, I do the mantra easily and you want to do it in a way where it's like as easy as a thought comes into your head yeah like by sitting there silently you just if you sit there silently eventually a thought's going to come into your head mm-hmm. whatever it is i got to change the cat litter box mm-hmm. boom that as easy as that came in is as easy as you want to say what you were like satnam or something you know yeah. I, could, I could see satnam being a good mantra and you're just like mentally saying satnam Right. Easy, nice and gentle mm-hmm. and you, and try and like I try to space them out because if you're just like Satnam, Satnam, Satnam. And sometimes I do that because sometimes thoughts mm-hmm. are coming so fast in my mind in order to 
like block them, kind of like stiff arm them, I say my mantra and, uh, and it might take a few minutes. Sometimes it, ta- I'll be like, it'll, will have taken 15 minutes for me to get into my zone mm-hmm. and then the, and then the meditation's over and sometimes I'll sit there a little bit longer. Um, sometimes I go ahead and, and pull myself out of it. It's so, you go so deep though. Mm-hmm. I do that. If when, when it's over, like when the timer goes off, you don't just like pop up out of your seat and go, totally. uh, you know, and do anything, you know, even right. having a conversation, you got to gently, like it takes about three or four minutes to come out of it. Yeah. Like waking up, you know, I mean, right. sometimes you pop out of bed, but typically it's like you hit the snooze button and you lay there for a few more minutes. Right. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to dog on anyone that hops right out of their meditation. Cause I think that's still a great place to be. But, um, I've definitely found that when I have actually meditated and it's been successful, when the timer comes off, I click it off and I'm still, pre- I'm still happy to be here. Yeah. I'm still happy to be meditating. I'm not like, Oh, let's go immediately. I'm like, I don't really want to leave shit. Like, yes. This feels great. You know yeah. what I mean? So when people just get up and hop out, unless you're in a hurry to go do something, which makes sense if, right. if there's like a clock ticking, it's like, yeah, I need to be at a place for sure. But, but I also will just say like, if you meditated well, you're pretty much content to continue meditating, you know what I mean? And I'm not saying you're going to go double as long, but yeah, that three, four minute, it's like, Ooh, like that feels great. <clears throat> and, and I also wanted to say that, uh, in the, in the, in the yogic philosophy, that, that energy, that recharging energy, that cosmic energy is known as prana. So, uh, prana is mm. life force. Yes. Um, so we're, we're filling up with life force, which is energy, healthy energy, positive energy. So, so good. And this has been developed over thousands of years, supposedly in India. You know, I don't know who came up with it. And sometimes you might do it accidentally if you are just meditating um, and not saying a mantra. I don't know. It's so wild yeah there's so many angles to go come in from but like if you haven't done it in a while and your body is exhausted it's like when i was saying those people on naked and afraid when they finally get food Mm -hmm. and they feel it coursing through their body it's like when you finally get that prana i feel it coursing through my body um whereas if i'm doing it three or four times a day it's like you're getting a little sip of water but you're not you're only a little bit thirsty and it's not necessarily this huge impact that mm-hmm. you're feeling but um the maharishi mahesh yogi he came from india in mm-hmm. 1972 ish mm-hmm. time frame maybe it was a little bit earlier but he was you know up there in the himalayas meditating with his guru the mm-hmm. swami Guru Dev, and they asked him, like, if you're so blissful and happy, why did you come out into the world, you know, to tell them? Did you, like, he had a calling, so to speak, maybe a Dharma, Mm -hmm. but his explanation was, when you find something cool as a kid, you want to tell everyone, you know? Mm -hmm. And he found this cool thing, and he wanted to tell the world, and so he came to the 
you know, New York City of the world, right. which is America. I think that's only natural is because like they almost say this about psychedelics and it, and it makes sense in that um, circumstance as well. When you get the message hanging up the phone. So he probably meditated for so long and got so deep. It was like, I fully get this message. Like I can carry this with me, almost be at one with it at all times. So I can stay in this state and still be out in the world. You know what I mean? Um, and that's called integration. You know, so he integrated that meditative state into the point that uh, he could better his karma by uh, sharing that with more people. And almost every spiritual leader does this. Buddha's done it. Jesus Christ has done it. Nice. You know, all the yogis. Um, the, the Kriya yogis, the, the Kundalini yogis, they all know that the teaching is the Dharma. The teaching is the next step to the understanding. Um, and, it, and it shares that with the world and creates a better world and a more peaceful world because people know about it now. So there is proof in the world that that, that meditation exists. There's scientific proof. This isn't anecdotal. This isn't... Yeah, a, a review. It's like there's real proof that this Scientific works. Scientific evidence. Yeah, people have had their brains connected to these scanners at, you know, in like Harvard Medical Science School, mm -hmm. and it, it shows how the brain changes its function while meditating, and all the parts of the brain light up, as opposed and as opposed to certain areas where. You know how when you get fixated on something maybe negative mm -hmm. and you can't stop thinking uh, this looping thought over and over again? Yeah. Um, that's because one part of your brain is heavily like active. Active. Thank you. That, exactly. And you I want, agree. You want the whole brain to be active. It might be the frontal lobe. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. But I feel like I heard that when we get into those visionary kind of like we're seeing an event happening in our head, um, our frontal lobe is very active, I, I believe. Um, and that's why when we do a meditation or a yoga class um, or, you know, change our state through another means, uh, our brain, uh, different areas of the brain light up. And that's uh, what's great about yoga and meditation is that it's not a medicine, for example, you have to take it. You can change your brain on your own. So a mm -hmm. lot of people that deal with meditation, uh, sorry, not meditation, uh, anxiety or even depression, that a part of their brain is overactive. Um, and it's it's what they might call chemical imbalance. So they, they go to take these medicines that do change the imbalance, but there's side effects, you know what I mean? So now you're taking a, a another medicine to counter counteract side effects of the first medicine. And that's where you just get into this uh, pharmaceutical wormhole um, that I don't recommend, especially if you can change it yourself. And if you can't change it yourself, the natural remedies, the things that have grown out of the earth for years, cannabis, mushrooms, ayahuasca, these things can help. And I'm not saying do it on a daily basis, but, um, you know, when it, when we can, or sorry, when we really do need a hand and we're not able to change the state ourselves, those things, uh, in responsible settings, well-researched in the correct doses 
can show us that same effect of oh, a different part of my brain is lighting up now. I can kind of understand where I was then. Uh, and now I get a glimpse that it's possible to not think that way because I'm not thinking that way right now. You know, like uh, a lot of people see a, a massive benefit from things like MDMA in a clinical setting because they're able to finally just see clearly almost without this nagging negative mind loop that's almost constantly present in their lives. And they're able to now see it as just simply that and not who they are. They just say, oh, the mind loops back. I know a couple of things I can do to get out that my therapist showed me. Do these you know, yoga, meditation, exercise. I can call someone. I can do a session with my therapist, blah, 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 and get out of that shit instead of feeling like it's what I'm stuck with for life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, highly recommend exercise, like even yeah. maybe above meditation, especially if you're having anxiety and or negative thought loop, because some people say running is a form of meditation, you know, and it can the runner's be. high is real. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, in a lot of instances will have a problem that's vexing me and I'll go for a run. And before I get done with mm -hmm. the run, uh, the solution has occurred to me because I'm getting maybe a bunch of oxygen pumping into the brain or I've stopped focusing heavily on the negative aspect and I, you open it like opens your mind up to other potential solutions. And, you know, now I'm finding that I get a lot of my just benefit reward solutions from doing this meditation, but I'm getting so much more energy on the flip side that I'm doing twice as much, mm. um, you know, physical activity. When, when I come out of it, I'm, you know, working out more, I'm doing jujitsu, I'm doing art, I'm creating art in my right. ceramics class. I'm taking this other class and uh, becoming a better public speaker. And, and I have, where I feel like that would have been overwhelming and it is a little bit, it can get that way. Like yesterday I was just like, it all hit me. <laughs> I was like, I need to take a, a little bit of a break. I'm going to take the rest of the day off. Uh, mm -hmm. I did not go to jujitsu class yesterday because I felt like if I had, I just might've like injured myself or something because right. I've been pushing myself so hard. And so you, and I am 45, I just turned 45. So mm -hmm not the spring chicken but even still that i still have that mind state uh, that i did when i was younger just go 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 and and then the only thing that's going to stop me is my body breaking mm -hmm. down because right. now i have i feel like i have more energy than i've ever had in my life at 45 and i think it's through and that might be a little off because when i was a teenager and all that you know it's like but i'm feeling like Superman, you yeah. know, it's like nothing mm -hmm. can hold me back. I'm going a hundred miles an hour, but I need to pace myself still yeah. because I'm human. That's right. And, uh, it made me think, I heard a quote recently where someone said like, if we don't listen to our body, like on the daily basis, we're going to be forced to listen to our body when we're yeah. sick. Yeah. No, you know, exactly. so when you run yourself so thin that you're like literally ill now and you're in bed, Yep. It, you know, like it's not really worth it getting there where we, daily we can just take that 15 minutes to meditate, that yeah. 10 minute nap or whatever it might be, yep. that yep. run, 
Um, it, it's going to like keep, yeah, it's going to keep us a little healthier, you know? Um, and it's funny too. I thought of this reframe for people who don't love exercise, which is, you know, a lot of the people that listen to my show, they like psychedelics. They might like smoking weed and blah, blah, blah. It's like, really just think about, um, exercise is another way to get high <laughs> because it does do it. Like when I'm leaving the gym, I'm glowing, you know, after a sauna, I'm, I feel great. After meditation, I feel great. After ice bath, I feel great. After a run, I feel great. And even like, uh, if you are wanting to smoke weed or whatever, and you're not getting that high that you want because you're like your tolerance or what, whatever it is, if you go on a nice three, five mile run, and then you smoke weed. You'll be like, whoa, I'm back. <laughs> like, I feel it fully, you know, because exactly. you're, you're compounding that runner's high and all those positive uh, chemicals that go into our brain, endorphins and whatnot uh, with the cannabis. And not only that, also like doing a little detox to the sweating and uh, resetting the mind through that just kind of... Uh, focused activity for the 45 minutes to an hour that those three to five miles might take, uh, it'll work, you know? So I always suggest people, if you're going to do a ceremony or even just smoke some weed, like do something healthy before, like if you're going to do a ceremony, a great thing to do would be to meditate before the ceremony, run before the ceremony, ice bath or sauna or both mm -hmm. before the ceremony. And when you get into the ceremony space, your body's going to thank you so much. It's going to be like, here's the reward for all your hard work. We see you. Thanks for doing that. Here's a great ceremony. You know what I mean? So, um, I don't know. I just think that's important to, to I'm going to have a nice, not ceremony, but a weed ceremony. A after. Weed ceremony is a real thing. I think more yeah. people need to think of it that way. Yeah. Because, well, you know, I've smoked weed all day, every day for decades and... Ever since this past sober October, I've kind of been able to, I've tamed it to where it's not like this super habit where I go to that first thing. In fact, maybe it has something to do with the meditation because anytime I'm feeling, you know, like, oh, I should go smoke. Sometimes I'll just go meditate instead. Mm -hmm. And that's taking up quite a few of my smoke sessions and that's fine, yeah. you know, and I like that. And I, it's like a natural high but I'm, you know, you know, I've, so I've been able to not smoke first thing in the morning because that was just what I did. Now mm -hmm. I'm waiting till I have a, after the podcast so I can speak a little bit more fluid, fluid, coherently. Totally. I and, always try to recommend that to people who seem to be stuck in some type of cannabis um, addiction where they can't smoke. Uh, or sorry, not smoke, and then they're being held back in other areas of life because the, the way the smoking affects them is trick yourself to make it a reward. So do a hard thing that day to earn that smoke. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like edit totally. that video, edit that podcast, uh, do that workout, do that, mm -hmm. whatever it might be in your life that it's like, yo, I know I need to do this today. Record that song, paint that art piece. But it's like, but I want to smoke first. Like, no, yeah. do the thing first and then get the reward. And trust me, you're not going to regret it. You're going to exactly. sit there in your little high state and be like, oh my God, that was amazing. I did that painting. Exactly. I feel great about it. You know, like I should do this more often. And then you're like, yeah, doing what you're saying, you know? Yeah. But it, it sometimes takes that jarring stopping completely, at least for, you know, a 
couple of days or whatever to break the habit of this or anyways read uh atomic habits that was really helpful in my mm-hmm. breaking the habit of just constantly smoking weed which i love and and i think is amazing um and i'm going to smoke after this but i have you know we all know if we're doing it all day every day i think that probably that's not either the in our best interests i guess right. and it's gotten a little bit of a, a grasp on us and we can treat it better and more with more respect by using it um in, in more special occasions exactly. i guess yeah just having a reverence for the medicine you know seeing yeah. it as a medicine is not just seeing it as this default it's like yo this is a sacred herb i want to respect it with like a level i would you know pray with my yeah. food or mm-hmm. whatever it might be you know it's like it's Beautiful. like if we can if we can do that with cannabis um you know i think that would enhance the experience and as well be you keep you mindful of uh what the medicine's doing for you so that's awesome amazing talk amazing talk i think we hit a lot of subjects um i know that you have a podcast as well i was wondering if you wanted to invite people to it and then as well the sheath website yes Please check out the Robert Patton Global Podcast. It's available on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, all the places where you get your podcast. I speak with world-class athletes, authors, and, um, six, you know, business owners, and uh, we talk about the principles of success and how the, what they, they got to where they are. I'll chime in sometimes with my own anecdotal evidence on what it takes to be successful. And then sometimes we just shoot the stuff, Mm. talk a little bit of trash. And um, so we always try to have a good time. We do have also a weekly giveaway that you can find on my Robert Patton Global channel or the Sheath YouTube channel, which Matt joins me on a weekly basis on Saturdays at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard. So that's noon Eastern. So if you want to follow the Robert Patton Global, follow the Sheath YouTube channel. Um, We do weekly giveaways, but also good content, fun, inspirational. And lastly, sheathunderwear.com, home of the best underwear on the planet. I'm a little bit partial but also, I've tried. I've tried all the competitors, and ours still holds up. The quality of the product itself, just like as a production, production, like mm-hmm. uh, the quality, like it will not. It, it will hold up over time. Totally. You know, if you buy like an Apple computer, it'll last you forever compared to maybe a Windows, right. HP. Kind of seems to break down a little earlier. This is high quality. And then the functionality with the pouch for the boys to keep them off your legs is second to none. Mm-hmm. So, the end, there's no risk. We have a 100% money back guarantee on the first pair. So, you have nothing to lose. Give us a shot. Sheathunderwear.com. I recommend the bamboo pairs, but we have a lot of different mm-hmm. styles to s- choose from. And we have short leg, long leg, mid thigh all the options briefs so give us a chance Mm -hmm. and you will not be disappointed yeah i second that 
most comfortable underwear I've ever had. And we've tried them all. You know, we've bought $100 a pair of underwear and stuff. And mm-hmm. ours still hold up and, and are better because of the pouch, for sure. Um, and I, I as well like the bamboo. The bamboo is super soft and super sleek design. Definitely recommend y'all um, going to sheathunderwear.com, checking that out. So thank you, Bobby, for being here. Uh, this has been great. It's my pleasure. I appreciate you having me on. Let's do it again. I know we do it semi-annually, so mm-hmm. um, I'll have you back on the Robert Patton Global Podcast. And thank you for everything you do for me, for Sheath, for the world. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It's an honor. Thank you as well. See you soon.